Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, all the best selection of beer anywhere. And maybe your weekend needs to have wine coolers or water, soft drinks. Tailgate needs lots of snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. Six great flavors of slushies. And the pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills all together now. Second to none. Well done out there. It's all at Brewer's Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we are in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Roots 11 and 15, almost worth and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great selection of pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. That's critical. Great sales staff, fabulous service department. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Our play-by-play call of the day. Yeah, I know it didn't count, but it's still fun. Robert Hunt, the big man, has a TD called back. Back to throw to it. It's coming. Got to get it off. Got a screen pass. Robert Hunt. Oh, my God. He fumbled in the goal line. And I'm not sure. They're going to look at this thing. He's got no signal from anybody. Late flag comes in. But, but he, yes, yeah, he, 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 didn't report, he didn't report eligible. This, yeah. is, this is illegal touching by an offensive lineman. <laughs> it, it, it would be a touchdown because he actually gets the ball over the goal line. Oh, he made a heck of a play, but it's, it's yeah. going to come back. Yeah. Yeah. This is an offensive lineman catching the ball. I was wondering how the heck he wound up catching the football. I thought we missed it. He checked in. No. My old friend Jimmy Cephalo with the call on the Dolphins radio network. It didn't count, but it was still fun to watch the big man rumble in. All right. With that, we turn our attention now to uh, Penn State football. It's the Pay Dirt podcast. Matt McGloin and Tom Hannafin will have Matt on Monday. Tom joins us today. Tom, fabulous work the two of you do. Great to have you with us on the show today. I'm great. I am, first of all, humbled to be on your show. Uh, it's been a minute since we've done this, and frankly, you were one of my professors and mentors when I was at Penn State, so this is always an honor, and I'm doing great, and I'm just a little bit sad to see even remotely hear about the Phillies. So if we could talk football, that'd be great. Yeah, let's talk some football right now. So so Penn State bounced back last week, beat Maryland 31-14. to How did you view it, and what was your take from it, Tom? It was the victory on paper that Penn State fans expected it to be. However, for all of us that watched the game and you had to call it, that for the first three quarters, it was kind of like, uh, when are they going to wake up? 
and obviously Penn State seemed to get it together, but I can't tell you how many times that I had gotten some sort of message from a friend or uh, you know colleagues watching the game, and beginning of the fourth quarter, it was like, why are they letting Maryland hang around with this? So it's something, Steve, I've said on my podcast for much of the season now, kind of getting used to what the team is in September. No victory every single week is going to be identical. It's not going to be the same formula. This is a team that's going to win ugly, and I think we kind of – grasp that considering the stretch between Iowa, Illinois, and Ohio State. It's just sinking in now for fans. So let's just but let's just take this for a moment maybe from a different point of view. You look at the landscape of college football right now. Georgia's winning big. So let's take Georgia out of the conversation for a moment. Alabama had to fight to win last week, and they've lost to Texas A&M. Ohio State two weeks in a row has had to fight to win. Uh, Oklahoma's had to fight to win several games this year. Cincinnati had to repel two fourth downs to win last week. Oregon had to fight to win against Washington. Are we beginning to see actually more parity in the college game? And because people are so focused on their team, they're not noticing it. I think it's a, it's a yes and no answer, Steve, because you talk about parity. Well, Alabama and Georgia are still in the conversation of the top two in the country, so that doesn't necessarily sound all that different to a lot of college football fans. But I agree with you in that there's far more competition than there has been in a number of years. I think so many people got lulled to sleep by Alabama-Clemson for the better part of five, six years in a row. And now seeing some new blood in there is really exciting. But no team outside of Georgia and their defense, I want to be yeah. specific about right. that, exactly. really seems set on one side of the ball. So it's, yeah. it's wide open, which is exciting. And here's, here's one of the – now, this is my opinion, Tom, so I want to see – I've talked about this a little bit of late, so I want to get your read on this. I think because of the transfer portal and because some some super seniors came back, the game's older this year, and I think that is contributing to closer games. I, I have to agree with you, considering you know in Penn State we're all talking about is Sean Clifford going to come back for his his sixth season? Right? Uh, can you good, imagine a quarterback with that with that much experience? coming back to a Penn State team that's got a great core, obviously, hopefully, going into next season. There's a lot of questions like that, but I agree with you. I think the experience is playing a factor, and it's just guys understanding the value of their college years. Not everybody is going to go into the NFL and make $10, $20, 30000000 million. Some of these guys, it ends once they leave Happy Valley. Um, so these guys are trying to make as much of an impact as they can, whether it be on the field, NIL, whatever it is they need to do. So the value's just gone up, and I think that's been reflected in television ratings, you name it, whatever uh, analytics you look at. Tom, the college football playoff, of course, is at four, and it's going to be at four this year, and it'll be definitely at four next year. But obviously there's been a lot of talk about expansion of the playoff. Uh, something we've been talking about on this show of going to 12 for the past year, believe it or not, long before it was actually put out there. The first proposal of the 12 was the top six conference champions and then six at large. The new one that was just put out and is being advanced is the five power five conferences getting automatic bids and then another bid for an open spot, then six open. A, how do you feel about a 12-team playoff, and which of those two do you prefer? I think I like the latter. 
at the same time, I don't like the 12 team. I prefer an 8 team. And here's why. I saw the initial bracket for what could potentially be a 12 team playoff this year. I think it was from a week ago, just kind of like if it happened right now, what it would look like. People get really frustrated with the present model because let's use Notre Dame as a for instance. Every time Notre Dame gets into the playoffs, they get smoked. Well, I'll tell you what, if you look at a 12-team playoff as it stands right now and you put up Wake Forest against a, a Georgia, it's going to be a bloodbath. So it just depends on, all right, if you're asking for more competition, that's one thing. But if you're just asking for your team to have the chance to get destroyed, it's a double-edged sword to me, Steve. I, I would love to see Penn State get in, and I think Penn State fans understand that a conference championship doesn't mean anything. We suffered that fate already. So uh, if it were in stone that that actually meant something, that would be great. <laughs> I would love to see well, that. See, but the door would be open because five would play 12, and you'd be open to winning a game in, in, the, in the college football before you got to the four teams that got the bye. True. And that would yeah. be fantastic. Right. Yeah, and I see, think at least it, with eight, you get a better level of competition overall. Guess what you don't get with eight, though? More money. ESPN oh. or ESPN, oh, yeah. ESPN already has contracts in place with the six New Year's Six Bowl games. They don't have to give you any more money with eight. You go to 12, now you have probably multiple networks because you have to have more money because you've got more games. I think that's probably the philosophy behind this. Well, you're absolutely right, Steve. How many times do we look at these rankings and they're like, man, why isn't Cincinnati, you know, at first in this season, why wasn't Cincinnati getting the respect that they are right. now starting to get in the rankings? Because it's Cincinnati. Nothing against them. They just aren't a brand the way Oklahoma, the way Alabama, Georgia, uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, you name it. Those are brands. You yes. can call these schools and teams as much as you want. But when you put that brand out there, it gets a rating. And the issue that they're concerned about, I remember the Colt Brennan-led Hawaii team that got killed by Georgia in the Sugar Bowl years yes. ago. Yeah. It was a nice story, but no one watched the game because people didn't know anything about Hawaii. That's, and by the way, unfortunately, the late Colt Brennan, who uh, passed yes, away this what year. Absolute favorite college quarterback ever. And, you know, it's interesting about I'll, I'll give you an NCAA tournament example. As somebody who was actually covering Florida Gulf Coast winning over Georgetown, and then they beat San Diego State, the rating in the Sweet 16 was in the tank because Cinderella only has a shelf life. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're right. After a while, people are like, okay, where's Kentucky and Duke? Right? And that's, you know, and you're right about Cincinnati. If Cincinnati beat whomever, 20-14 to 14 ranked number two last week, they'd have fallen back. But because Alabama did it, they stayed. And I think that goes exactly to your point you just made. The big fear for the college football playoff, ESPN, the universities, you name it, is that you get someone of the ilk of a Cincinnati, not in terms of ability, but just in terms of branding, versus an Alabama, and it's not a heavily watched national title game. Because that's what the money is. You're 100% right. Right, yeah. When VCU played Butler in the national semifinals, Micah, Micah, I say this with all due respect to you. I know you're on the sidelines. Micah Shrewsbury with Butler for this. But it's the lowest-rated semifinal ever. Everybody's like, "When's the second game? What times Duke play?" <laughs> uh, they're they're at nine thirty. I'll be there. <laughs> All right. uh, but it's, it's but you know what? When your biggest upset in the four 
is Ohio State beating Alabama. Ohio State wasn't Cinderella. <laughs> True. No, you feel really good about that. I think the only yeah. worry right now is Oregon's got itself a nice brand to it, but I think there's a lot of concerns about what they actually are from an ability standpoint. Yeah. Are they going to go the way of what Notre Dame has experienced in the past in the playoff? And that overarching concern is there for Cincinnati. But if it's Ohio State, Alabama, regardless of the outcome, right. you know you're going to get eyeballs. Right, and it's not an upset. And it's not an upset. And it, 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 that's your biggest upset is 2014 when Ohio State beat Alabama. That doesn't give you the Florida Gulf Coast feeling. <laughs> no, and to the point you were, and to the point you were making about, you know, is there more parity? Is there more competition? Alabama and Ohio State are human, for lack of a better description. There yeah. is no, there's right. no part of their uh, their game plan that looks absolutely perfect as it has in years right. past. So good point. whoever wins that game will have earned it. Yeah, good point. So now I have to ask you about the podcast with Matt. How's that gone, and how's the reception been? It's been really great. It's been awesome for me personally just to connect back with my Penn State roots. Uh, Matt and I had uh, gotten to know each other a little bit uh, just through social media and the like in uh, 2020 uh, when he was going into the XFL. I was probably his biggest cheerleader on yep. social media, so I was very excited for him and uh, obviously admired the work he did as a part of the 2011-2012 season. I think to all Penn State fans, the players that stayed mean the world to everybody. So I'm thrilled I get to work with him. And at the same time, Steve, you know what it's like in terms of being opposite a, a legend and Jack Ham or uh, yeah. a great coach like James Franklin. you got to be on your game. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, iron sharpens iron. So I'm thrilled to do it. We have a lot of fun with it. Um, I don't pretend to be anything other than a great fan of the program who's followed it since I was a kid. And I'm a former WWE commentator. So yeah. I'm coming at it trying to have fun and bring some entertainment and enjoy my Nittany Lions. I mean, but I know you've always been a, a terrific all-around sportscaster to begin with. So, what's it been like to get back, get your mind back into a football mode on an every week basis? Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. It's it's really been fantastic, and it's connected me with some people. Uh, Thomas Frank Carr, who's doing some excellent yeah. work with Blue White Illustrated. I've gotten to work with him a little bit. Yep. It's uh, it's like I said, you know, you, you can sit back and play Monday morning quarterback with your friends and think <laughs> that you know what you're talking about. It's another thing to put it out to the world, and I feel like there have been instances that have been really good and other instances where it's like, yeah, i got to tighten up a little bit. So uh, it's been so much fun. And uh, football's been my passion since uh, I was a little kid. I remember my parents taking me to Beaver Stadium to watch LeVar Arrington uh, play. <laughs> at the time, Indiana had the black helmets. Antoine Randall-L was the yeah, quarterback, if that yes. brings you back. Yes, so it does. I have so many great memories of it. And to make that uh, you know, part of my job, quote-unquote, it never feels like work. What if it, Antoine Randall-L... Now, there was your one-man show right there. Oh, he was electric. He was so much fun to watch. And I, I was so little, I didn't know what was happening. So it was just like, is LeVar in? Is LeVar in? He's like, no, they're on offense right now. And then he would just go and just kill somebody when he was out there. And I, I just saw him on uh, The Herd this morning with Colin yeah. Calvert. and just brings back memories. I'll tell you something else. Every time he comes back here, he always makes a point to come over and, and talk, say hi. And he, because he's just happy to see somebody that was there when he was here. So that's, you know, he, LeVar is terrific. You guys are doing a great job with this, you and Matt both, uh, and appreciate the time you gave us today very, very much, Tom. It means a ton coming from you, Steve. I wish you all the best and good luck on the call tomorrow. Thanks. 
Tom Hannafin. And we'll get the other half of the Pager podcast on Monday when Matt McGloin will join us here on the show. We will come back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is because it's Brewers Outlet time. The Beverage Supermarket has the area's largest beer selection, imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice-cold 12-packs and dozens of 24-ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one-stop party shopping and don't forget the pickle bar. So whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet Reagan Street Sunbury wants to see you. And thank you for your years of patronage great to have you with us uh coming up on eagle 107 tonight it is sealand's grove at jersey shore this evening that's on eagle 107 pat o'brien by the way voice back i'm ready to go thanks to kevin her for filling in last week great job he did uh, but Pat's back tonight, which is great news. And Seals Grove plays Jersey Shore tonight for the district championship. And that is on Eagle 107. Tomorrow, uh, Bucknell plays at Army. It's on 100.9 the Valley tomorrow. And college football, Penn State and Michigan at noon. We're on beginning at 1030. It's a big uh, weekend all the way around in college football. Georgia has Tennessee. That may be their toughest test until they get to the SEC championship game. Um, we'll see. But you've got Texas A&M at Ole Miss tomorrow. Oklahoma is at Baylor. So you have a lot, to, you know, you have some big games tomorrow. Big games. Oregon's playing Washington State. That's interesting. And those are you know, now Alabama's got it. Now. now this at least is an FBS team. They're playing um, New Mexico State. But you got Baylor and uh, Oklahoma. That's noon on Fox. That's in Waco. Penn State, of course, Michigan on ABC, and of course here on WKOK at noon. Georgia, Tennessee's 3.30 on CBS. Purdue, Ohio State's 3.30 on ABC. That's in Columbus. Texas A&M Ole Miss is 7 o'clock on ESPN. Also tomorrow, NC State is at Wake Forest at 7.30, but it's on the ACC network, which means it's in the Witness Protection Program. Notre Dame is at Virginia. Virginia can score. They can't stop a soul. That's 7.30 on ABC tomorrow. Uh, Mississippi State's at Auburn at noon. Northwestern's at Wisconsin at noon. Of course, Bucknell Army, as we mentioned, that's on at noon. Uh, And on 100.9 in the Valley. Utah's at Arizona at 2. Minnesota's at Iowa. That's 3.30 on the Big Ten Network. It's an interesting game. Uh, Southern Miss is at uh, Texas San Antonio. UTSA is ranked 23rd. Haven't lost. That's at 3.30. Uh, UAB's at Marshall. Maryland's at Michigan State at 4. Air Force is at Colorado State at 7. That's on CBS Sports Net. Arkansas at LSU on the SEC Network at 7.30. TCU's at Oklahoma State at 8 on Fox. 
late game. Washington State's at Oregon at 10.30 on ESPN, and Nevada is at San Diego State at 10.30 on CBS Sportsnet. So that's your TV schedule coming up tomorrow. And we will point out to you that our final half hour will have Reginald Walker from Charlotte joining us. We'll talk Penn State football with Reginald Walker in the final half hour of the show today. Well, there you go. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and out every day. Well, this is one-stop shopping when it comes either to the weekend or to your tailgate. They roast their peanuts fresh and out every day in the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, indeed second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. We'll come back to the Sunbury Motor Studio for the final half hour, including Reginald Walker in a moment. Bottom of the hour news next on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Brewers Outlet Day. Yes. Time to get ready for the weekend. So why don't you just drive over now? The weather's great. It's a Friday. You might be tailgating tomorrow at Beaver Stadium. If you are, you need to stock up. You might as well go to a place with one-stop shopping. That, of course, is Brewer's Outlet. Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, the best selection of beer anywhere. And people may prefer wine coolers, and there's water, soft drinks, lots and lots and lots and lots of snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and out every day. Pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. All at Brewers Outlet. Reagan Street in Sunbury. The Beverage Supermarket. And we are in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15. Hummels Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Final half hour of the show. Don't forget, uh, Sealands Grove tonight at Jersey Shore, Eagle 107 for the district championship. Noon tomorrow, Bucknell at Army on 100.9 The Valley with Doug and Kevin. And Penn State football tomorrow here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. 10.30 will be the airtime and noon the kickoff as the Nittany Lions take on Michigan. All right, with that in mind, let's talk some Penn State football. Let's go to the phone lines, bring in our old friend from Charlotte, Reginald Walker. Reginald, welcome back. Always a pleasure, my friend. Reggie, welcome. Stevie Jones. Oh, Uh, Reginald Walker. (laughs) Yeah, It's funny. I was listening to you talk about what Harbaugh is saying, and I mean this respectfully. I couldn't help but hear a lot of James Franklin in that, right, when it comes to injuries right, and the way they sort of talk around it. And it's so funny that all these coaches do it to each other, right? And it's, it's. I mean, I, uh, as you know, I do Charlotte games as well, local to me, and, and 
uh, Will Healy, uh, one of the youngest coaches in college football in Division One. The whole thing. He's under 35 years old. He's the same way, right? He'll just kind of say, "Oh, he's dealing with something with his upper body, or he's got an yeah. upper or a lower body." You know, it's it's hilarious. Um, and and they'll tell you it's because they don't want anybody targeting those injuries. Uh, but the reality is they don't want the other coach to know whether or not that kid's going right. to play. That's exactly. what it comes down to. Exactly, <laughs> and it allows them to dance around the HIPAA law a little bit too. I mean, there's also that 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 comes into play right. as to how you want to do it and go about it because the player does have to say whether they're allowed to say anything about it or not. They do have actually a say in it now, believe it or not. Uh, you know, Penn State won on Saturday, thirty-one fourteen. It's a hard-fought win. There's no getting around it. Uh, what was the general impression you got out of that? Uh, I thought I thought we were. To be honest, I, I thought Penn State was just clearly a more talented football team than Maryland mm-hmm. uh, going into it, and, and you could see it during the game. Uh, but a couple of things that that really stood out to me. Listen, I, I don't mean this in a negative way. More guys have to make plays in the passing game. It, it can't be Jahan Dotson. 15, 16 targets, 11 catches, and some other guys don't make a big play here or there. Now, to, I say that to say several guys caught passes. It's not like no one else caught a pass. So I'm not suggesting that those guys aren't making plays or not trying to make plays, but we'd like to see a little bit more balance there. Obviously, John's going to get the lion's share of the opportunities, pun intended there. Uh, but the reality is there's got to, you've got to force that balance from secondaries and how they want to cover. And then the thing that was even more glaring to me is in that running game, you know, less than three yards of carry. James Franklin will tell you that is not Penn State football, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I have talked about that a lot. I think part of that is the offensive line. Um, and at times they just haven't been able to be dominant consistently in games. I think the other piece of that is the, for lack of a better term, because I say this all the time, there needs to be more variety in that running game. It, everything can't be off of the same exact look because you can only do two or three things off of that same exact look. So I think if you get a little bit more variance in that running game, it creates more opportunities for the offensive line to know where the guy's going as opposed to the defensive line. Because in a lot of ways, and you and I have talked about this, and I, I always go back to the, to the infamous Chase Young play um, against Penn State at Penn State um, mm-hmm. a few years ago mm-hmm. where – you know, they moved it back to the other side. The other defensive end then puts his hand on the ground, goes back down, and then the, and then Chase stands up, and the play comes right to Chase, and he makes the play. Yeah. So, so let's let, let's get to Dotson for a moment. Uh, I was interested because I saw his mom uh, Saturday morning. I told the story earlier. I said I said to her, I said, you know, instead of wearing five miles, we'll wear a target because every team's trying to stop him, and he keeps making plays. Now, this is before he had the game on Saturday. How special does a guy have to be that everybody knows he, you know, that he's a primary guy and still continues to be the star and the primary guy? He's, I mean, that that takes unbelievable level of talent and expertise and knowledge, right? I think what gets forgotten when we think about guys like that, the physical talent is one thing. I think it's the mental aptitude to understand what's happening to them on a football field and adjust to it, right? When you're a guy like that when so much is coming your direction. And you have to give credit to the offensive coordinator, Mike Yersich, and the entire offensive staff, because they know that everybody's trying to stop Jahan Dotson. And so what they're doing is they have to be more creative in how they get him the football, right? Give him more sight adjustment type of stuff that Sean Clifford has to understand as well, or whoever's at the quarterback position. They have to be able to read what he's reading and make the right decision, make the right throw as well. So there's a lot of pieces to that, but... I say all that to say you have to give a lot of credit to a guy like Dotson for being smart enough 
to be able to process all that information on the fly. I tell people all the time, one of the things that was that's so hard as you go up levels of football is the mental aptitude, right? Mm-hmm. When you get to a place like Penn State, everybody's physically talented. Everybody. The difference is who's processing the information faster. And to be a, for a guy like Dotson at this level, to be able to process what he's seeing, right, when he comes off the line of scrimmage, reading the coverages after one step or two steps, right, that takes a lot of mental aptitude. And, and the reason why I say that is when you get to the NFL level, they'll tell you you have to figure out what that receiver is doing with a half a step. You better know. And, and that will tell you if you have a combo coverage or some different things, what to do. Also, he's reading you as well. So when he sees you open the hip early on step two on your back pedal or whatever the case may be, then he knows what his sight adjustment and what his route becomes off of that. Is it a stick route? Is it an outcut? Is it an in-cut? Is it a fat curl? All of those things are factors when it comes to the coverage. And that's the type of stuff, the sophisticated mental aptitude that Dotson is showing us when you have, and has to show us when he has a game with 11 catches and goes for uh, all, you know, big time yards like that, nearly 200 yards and three touchdowns. That's the kind of stuff that gets forgotten. People just think, oh, he's fast and they just throw him the ball. It doesn't work that way. There's a whole bunch else to that. I mean, I think he's a scientist out there the way he plays. Uh, you know, I think, you know, in, He's not only a great athlete, but he just has – we always talk about, oh, the quarterback has great vision. The running back has great vision. Wide receivers need great vision, too, and he's got that. He, he does. And, and wide receivers, it's, it's, I'm glad you said that because their vision is another level, right? It's the vision to see the coverage. It's the vision to you know read what the quarterback is reading. But it's also the vision to have that sort of trust – and belief, mm-hmm. and and for lack of a better term, term the stones to cross the middle at times, yeah. and be able to make those catches and not take a big hit. And that's because they see it as it's happening, and they know how to slide through certain parts in a zone, where to sit down, where to keep going to the next window. All of those types of things come back to vision and the the ability to process that information on the fly. Well, as Jahan said to Jack Ham and me after the game, when I asked him about Sean Clifford, he goes, that's my guy. Uh, you know, it's amazing how a quarterback and a wideout can be on the same page because it looks like, for the most part, those two are in almost every single play. They are, and they have to be, right? Because if if there's any kind of variance in the route based on what is called and then the coverage, they have to see the same thing, right? And sometimes that's why it, I – one of the things you can watch in a game, you know, you see an errant throw by a quarterback, and I'm not picking on anybody specifically. This is a football thing. Mm-hmm. You'll see an errant throw by a quarterback, and the receiver will tap his chest. The receiver is saying, you know what? I thought I saw X, but what I really right. saw was exactly. Y, and mm-hmm. you saw Y, exactly. and I screwed that up. And quarterback, and it happens either way. Right. And so when a guy like Dotson tells someone Clifford is his guy, Yes, it's about trust. Yes, it's about the fact that he likes the guy away from football. But the reality is what he's saying is he's my guy because we see things the same way, and we have to see them the same way on the field or somebody's going to get killed. Right. When you see a red zone defense that has five takeaways in a season, what do you think? Uh, I think that there's a lot of people that are doing predictable things. Um, and it's a defense that looks to create those turnovers down there. They gamble. They try to speed you up, right? And so what you want to do in those situations is 
you have to find a stuff that works but the first thing you better know is what is your protection scheme against what they're trying to bring to you because a lot of times if you see that it's teams that maybe blitz and they force you to if you're throwing the ball they force you to throw it to a certain spot right. and when they do that it's because they've got a, a player sitting in that spot to create that play right so it's it's the old like like one of the best ones you can find and it's i'm getting getting ready to get real football technical here um but Nick Saban, who got it from Bill Belichick, they run what a lot of times down in the red zone, they run what's called two buster, and it's basically a robber coverage out of a two deep look. And if you, which means two high safeties, which again, as you know, Steve, if you're doing that down in the red zone, you got a two high safety look. Those safeties can't be that high because if they are, you're giving up the entire end zone. So to play that concept and to be able to rob everything underneath that, that tells you that they've got a mindset they're going to force you to put the ball in certain spots because their guys are going to be able to react to that. And then the aggression, right? They want their guys to take chances. Those coordinators are telling these guys, take those chances down there. You know what? We're already backed up. We probably will give up points per se in this position, right? If we're if somebody's inside our five-yard line, we're, we're apt to give up at least three. But if you can make a pick or if you can force this fumble, all of a sudden we give up nothing. And if you make a pick in the right spot, it's a pick six and we're putting points on the board. So it's being able to trust those guys defensively to try to make those plays, which also means they trust the anticipation of those players and the aptitude of those players to understand what's happening in front of them, and that's where those big plays are created. I, I have to ask you, the uh, the Panthers, Carolina Panthers, got off to a 3-0 start, uh, and now everything has gone off the rails. Why has it gone off? I know McCaffrey's been hurt, but why has it gone off the rails? To me, the the main problem in the offseason was not addressed. Um, I was saying all of last year because, and, and I'll tell you this, Steve, they were killing me on the radio in Charlotte. They were killing me because I was saying Teddy Bridgewater is not the problem. The offensive line is the issue. Um, the variety in the offense, Joe Brady was a first-year true coordinator in the NFL at that particular point. People forget Steve Emsminger was the offensive coordinator at LSU in 2019. Joe Brady was the passing game coordinator, which means have a pass play in your pocket, and when I say I want to throw the ball, you tell me what that pass play is. That does not mean he's calling every play. That's a difference as well. So Joe Brady's in year two. They bring in Sam Darnold, which I did not think was an upgrade from Teddy Bridgewater, but they went through all that process, but they did not address the offensive line effectively. They went J.C. Horn in the first round. I'm not saying it was a bad pick. I would have certainly gone for Rashawn Slater, who was there, because Penesul was off the board at eight. But I would have went Rashawn Slater there and got me a franchise left tackle and put him over there and left him there for the next eight to ten years, hopefully. That's what I would have done there. And then the other guys could have fell into place, I think, a little bit better. They didn't address that. Um, I don't think Darnold is a better talent than Teddy Bridgewater, and this is the result that you get. Add into it that McCaffrey was hurt. There's that. And I'll say this, too. Through the first five games last year, Teddy Bridgewater was near the top of the league in passing in most of the major mm-hmm. passing categories. That's right. And he didn't have McCaffrey for two of those games. So you could see that his talent was there, but the offensive line was still bad. And down the stretch, as it got worse and more exposed and no Christian McCaffrey, the team got worse. We're seeing the same thing this year. The difference is Sam Darnold turns the football over in bunches. The first yep. three games, That's- Darnold only – yeah, the first three games he had one interception. Yep. Then over the next four games, I think it was uh, – Eight interceptions in three and a half games over the. I mean, you can't do that. You cannot turn the ball away. See, that's where Teddy Bridgewater. No matter what people think of Teddy Bridgewater, he he and Tyrod Taylor are very much the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very smart. 
not great risk takers, but boy, they they will also make very few mistakes. How about that? that that's right. And and I, this is what I said to somebody the other day. I said because they were like, well, you know, Teddy still was the problem, blah blah blah. And my response no. was, tell me the difference between Teddy and Ryan Tannehill. There isn't one. There isn't the difference any. is Derek Henry and the willingness to run the football, yep. and everywhere Teddy has been, they want to throw it 45 times. Right. No, because Teddy has never had the ability to go play action fake and have anybody honor it. That's exactly right. And so they beat Dallas yesterday, though. All right. <laughs> he looked good. He looked good he looked, in that game. Of course he looked good. Teddy's always been a good, you know, not great, but a good NFL quarterback. Tyrod Taylor has been a good NFL quarterback. It's just, you know, there there's no Favre in either one of them. Nope. But at the same time, you know, the defense is always going on the field with 75 yards in back of it, too. And, and Steve, I'll tell you this, too. Uh, and just looking ahead at the game of football. Now, one of the things I said about eight years ago, we were talking about Johnny Menzel. This yep. is when I was still at ESPN. We were talking I about Johnny. This. And I said college football and eventually the NFL is going to look a lot like high school football. Mm -hmm. Spread the field horizontally and just make a bunch of quick throws. I say all that to say now, what we're going to see moving forward are a lot more Teddy Bridgewaters and a lot less Aaron Rodgers and Brett Forrest because they're not staying in school long enough. They're not coming up with the systems that force that mental process power anymore. What they're asking them to do is get the ball out quick, get a guy in space, read it before the snap, just throw it out there and let them do all the work. I'm not saying that's a bad concept, but the reality is a whole lot of guys can do that. What Aaron Rodgers is doing and some of those guys that we've seen of yesteryear were doing mentally, Tom Brady as well, those type of guys, they're not being asked to do that anymore. And so what I think is going to happen over the next 10, 12, 15 years Quarterback salaries, are, I think, are going to come back a little bit, and the money is going to be more spread around the rosters. And teams are really going to try to build up a really good roster and then get a rookie quarterback and try to win a championship in his first four or five years on the rookie deal and then move on from the quarterback. Sir, it's always a pleasure. Anytime, my man. Anytime for you, Steve Jones. You are the greatest. Rachel Walker. Stevie Jones. <laughs> Take care. Take care. Thanks, Steve. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. at Fenway Park. There we go. Sway back and forth. Ah, a little Neil Diamond 
Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports Domestics, Mike for Brews, best selection of beer anywhere, wine coolers, water, soft drink, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. Six great flavors of slushies and the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, indeed second to none. It is all at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Stock up for the weekend and stock up for your tailgate now. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right. Tonight, Sealands Grove at Jersey Shore for the district championship. Eagle 107 this evening. Pat O'Brien will be back. Kevin did a great job filling in last week. Pat's back this week. Uh, Also, tomorrow, Bucknell at Army, noon. 100.9 The Valley with Doug uh, Birdsong and Kevin Herr. And also coming up tomorrow... Penn State football, the Nittany Lions, and Michigan and Beaver Stadium. 10.30 the airtime, and at noon will be the kickoff. Big weekend of college football and high school football. Love it. Just with the, you know, the fun, fun time. And this is a big game tomorrow, and this will be a fun game tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to it. Penn State's had a really good week. So let's see how it translates tomorrow. And hopefully uh, we'll have a lot of great things to talk about on Monday. Now, Monday's show, we'll have Matt McGloin on. Monday's show also will be on Amherst, in Amherst, I should say, Massachusetts. Now, the last time we did a show on the road, last time we did a show on the road was last December 8th? When we did the show at Virginia Tech down in Blacksburg. That's the last time because of the circumstances. So this will be the first time in 11 and a half months that we have done a show on the road. Because life transitioning, not completely the normal, but normal with a small N. How about that? Our thanks to Scott Walker from the State College Spikes today. Tom Hannafin from the Pater Podcast. Our thanks to Reginald Walker for being on the show. Brian Tripp, we had a lot going on today, and Tony did a fabulous job. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, right here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. We'll talk to you tomorrow from Beaver Stadium.